How's everyone doing this week? Good? Are you all excited about continuing uh, this, uh, this series, Wise Up? <clears throat> I know that it's been, it's been enlightening for us. Uh, it, it has been a good series for me to just think through, um, just to think through some wise uh, patterns or habits in my life and what God, how God is calling me to steward uh, my relationships, how God is calling me to steward uh, my finances and um, and that's what we're going to continue today. We're going to continue talking about finances. And, and unfortunately, this is something that um, we really don't like to, to give a lot of uh, time to um, within the church. Uh, this is a subject uh, that, that is a tough one for us to go through. And it's a tough one for us to sit and listen to. It's a tough one to teach because uh, we know and I know that, that one of the most um, nearest and dearest things to our heart uh, is our finances. Uh, and I think today, as we continue uh, through this sermon, we're going to realize that that's part of the problem, is how near and dear our finances are to our hearts. Uh, so uh, we're going to do that. We're going to be in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 9 through 10. Uh, if you uh, didn't bring a Bible today, you can, open, you can grab one of the Bibles that's in the chair in front of you, uh, underneath, and you can turn to, five, to page 528. You'll be able to follow along with us. Uh, and if this is your first time here, I'm excited for you because I'm excited that you're able to sit through a sermon that's going to talk about generosity and giving uh, in a biblical and healthy manner. Uh, because I know that a lot of times for us, um, uh, if you're new here or if you've been coming for a while, we think when we hear giving and generosity, we, we uh, immediately think that the church wants our money or that God wants our money and that's all he wants. And that's all the church wants is that's all they want is my money. Oh, there it goes again. They're going to they're gonna take up an offering. There it goes again. They want us to give. And uh, the, the, the truth is that that can't be furthest from the truth because God isn't concerned about getting your money. Can I say that? God is not concerned about getting your money. God is concerned about your heart. And God knows that to be in a healthy place with him relationally, you have to be in a healthy place with your finances as well. See, uh, we mentioned this a few weeks ago that we believe that it's, you can't be a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ if your finances are all out of whack. You can't be a wholehearted follower of Christ if you don't have your finances under control uh, in, in practicing biblical wisdom uh, in that area of your life. And it's true. It's true. Like I said, many times when we think of giving, the first thought that comes to mind is, man, all they want is my money. That's all they want. But again, listen, it's not, that's not true. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> I'm going to go to this scripture in Matthew chapter 26, verse 24. But before I do that, let me say something to you. Let me remind you that, uh, that Jesus spoke more about money in the Gospels than he did heaven and hell combined. So you tell me that finances aren't important. He spoke more about money than he did heaven and hell combined in the Gospels. Yet, money being so important, Jesus never took a dime from anyone in Scripture. As a matter of fact, the only coin that was given to Christ in the Gospels was for an object lesson. And after he was done, he gave it back to the person. Because Jesus is not concerned with taking your money from you. Jesus is concerned about your heart. And being in, an, in a healthy uh, position with God and in your life. That's what he's concerned about. I mean, look at this passage. This is, 
This tells you everything. It says here in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, what does it say? It says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You can't serve God and money. And what's interesting is that in this passage, he uses money as the competition for God. He doesn't use anything else. He uses money. Can I propose to you today that, that God's number one competition for your heart is your finances, is money, is materialism, is that dragon of materialism that we, we live by on a daily basis? Can I say that, or can I propose to you that your heart is a battleground where money is trying to overcome you and not allow God in. You see, again, Jesus isn't concerned about taking money from you. That's the furthest thing from the truth. What God is concerned about is your heart and the disposition of your heart and you being surrendered to God's will in every area of your life. Again, to say a wholehearted follower of Christ means that every area of my life is surrendered and following him. Amen? So let's look at this. Let's, let's take a look at our patterns. Let's, let's, let's start surfacing the issue here. Because most of you guys, I'm going through this introduction and you're thinking, well, yeah, that's probably not me. I don't want to hear about it. But let's take a look at something, okay? For most of us, this is our current spending habit. For most of us, some of you, this looks very familiar. These are our priorities. So what do we say? We say we get paid and what's the first thing we do? We spend. The women are saying, ooh, I saw some new shoes come out, accessories, earrings, bracelets, whatever else you get. And the men were thinking, I'm going to go buy some meat, throw it on the grill. Right, that's the first thought. Go buy some meat, throw it on the grill. I don't have a grill. I need to go buy a grill. Wait, and then I just don't want any grill. I need a smoker too. Uh, babe, that's going to be about $1,500. need a smoker. She's like, is it really essential? Absolutely it's essential. You want so, slow-cooked meats? Get me a smoker. And we focus on ourselves. So the first thing we do is we spend. And if you look at that, I mean, you say, well, okay, what, what does that equal to? That equals to me, right? Me. All right? So let's go to the next one. What do we do? We pay off debt. And why are we in debt? Because we can't figure out how to stop spending. So now we went spend me. Now we're paying off debt. It's back to me, Right? And then the next one is pay taxes. Most of us, are, our jobs take those taxes out. They're nice enough to take them out so that we don't even feel them. But I'm going to throw that in there. So that's a we. That's not so much more of a me. Though if you're in trouble with the IRS, that becomes a me. It's just a me or we. Whatever you, want it, whatever you want it to be. The next one is save, right? Save. And what is that? Me again. And then finally at the end, what do we have? We have God. Yet... We can stand and we can pray and we can sing and we can talk about God being our priority. When we look at this area of our life, we can see that he's not. See, Jesus is talking about priority. He's talking about our heart. And where your heart is, so is your wallet. It's that easy. Where your heart is, so is your finances. So he's pointing that out and, and, and we're trying to develop this. So again, what do we have? We have me, me, we. Me, God. Hmm. So essentially what we're telling God is, God, if I don't spend it all, if I don't owe it all, 
if I don't have to pay it all to the government, and if I don't save it all, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give whatever's left over to you. Almost as though God is this server at a restaurant that we weren't very happy with the service, so all we do is just pull out the dollar bill at the end, throw it on the table, get up, wash our hands, and walk out. Because that's the way our priorities are lined up. So today, church, today, this is what we hope to accomplish. And throughout this series, we hope to accomplish that we reorganize our priorities and that we invert this pattern in our lives and that we can start focusing on God first and then all the rest. We've, we've talked about the rest. We know that we need to save. We know we need to pay taxes and snowball and, and paying off debt. Uh, and then at the end, what happens when you invert this? What happens is, well, I'll get whatever's left over. No longer is God getting what's left over. No longer is he getting what's left over. So those are some of the, those are our spending habits. And today, hopefully, we're able to, to uh, change that a little bit, invert that, and hopefully put the right person um, in number one, in, in the number one spot. And here's the irony, okay? Here's the irony. Some of you don't like what I'm saying here, okay? And that's okay. I'm fine with that. I'm, I, I'm okay with that. Um, I understand that this is a difficult subject. And for me, it wasn't an easy subject either. But the irony of this back here, going back to this current spending habit and priorities list, is that when everything goes wrong, who do we go to? We skip all the rest and we go down to number five. Oh, Lord, please give me a job. Please give me a raise. Please get me out of this financial situation that I'm in. So why not just start? with the right person. Why not just start with God? And that's what we're hoping we do today. So we're in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 through 10. Uh, and um, before we read that passage, I do want to say, I do want to talk a little bit about my journey in this, in, in this, um, in, in giving and practicing biblical giving. And it wasn't always natural for me. It wasn't always easy. When I was a teenager, I, would, I was working or I would receive a, a, a monthly income uh, from from, from the government, my, my father was disabled, so for some reason they would send me uh, money, and I don't know why, but they would send me money. So anyway, when I would get my checks, what I would do is I'd give it to my mom, and I'd say, Mom, write out my tithe and give it to the church. Okay, I don't want to see it until after, I don't want to see my money after, until after you've already paid it. Okay, um, and that really didn't establish a healthy habit for me. That didn't establish a healthy lifestyle for me, because I really wasn't the one giving. My mother was the one that was writing out the checks. I didn't want to because I knew that if I had the money, I probably wouldn't do it. So I wasn't submitting myself to this. And as time went on, I went to Bible school. I struggled immensely with finances throughout Bible school. It took me five years to finish a two-year school. I mean, and it wasn't because I was failing. It was just because I couldn't afford it. And um, I wasn't practicing biblical giving at this, at this time in my life. And, and finally, it st I started doing it at, at a certain point in my life. And um, and I know that for Daisy and I, from day one that we've been married, uh, one of the things that we've always done is practice this. We've always done it. And in, and in year one of our lives, it was, it was so interesting because we were so in love and so excited about being together that, um, that we would date each other all the time. Remember, we spent three years dating long distance. So when we finally were living in the same town, it was like dates every day. I don't know how we could afford that. I'm getting there. So, um, you know, the, the, we get... 
we'd get paid and we'd pay our, our mortgage, we'd pay our responsi- financial responsibilities, but before anything, we'd pay our, our, our tithes as well. And uh, I know there were some times that we were writing out the check in the service and, I'm, and we're writing it out and writing out the tithe. And I'm thinking, my goodness, that's the exact same amount we need for our groceries. And once we give this, we're not going to have it. And I think, you know what? You know what, God, that's okay because I'm going to honor you and I'm going to trust in this principle. And, and you know what? From day one to today, we have never gone in lack in our home. Never gone in lack. We've always had food. We've always had a roof. We'd all, we've always had utilities. We've always had everything we needed. We've never lacked. And, and I, don't, I don't take credit for that because it's not me. I give all that credit to God because it's all him. See, because God is the one that provided these things for us. Um, but we experience that through giving. We experience that by honoring him and trusting in him. So my question for you today is, is what's holding you back from, from doing this? What's holding you back from experiencing some financial freedom and experiencing biblical giving? You know, over the last few weeks, we've done something. We've said, um, we've, we've made a statement, and then at the end we said, you're a fool, right? And the first week, it was interesting because we would make the statement, and it was like, if you spend your money before you get it, you look around the room, you're a fool. People are just, we're all upset about it. But now we're starting to get it. We're starting to understand it. We know that God really cares for us. And that's why we're saying this. So I think this week we're ready to go, right? Are we ready to go? Yes? Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some things and I want you guys to shout it at me. Shout it at me. Shout it at me, okay? Shout it at me. So if you think you don't have enough to give. All right. Uh, that's, we, no, we don't have to do anything. That's, you guys weren't ready for that one. Let's try one more time. If you think you don't have enough to give, there you go. If you think you will start practicing biblical giving after you get a raise, if you think giving selfishly, if if you are giving selfishly to get more from God, if you think biblical giving is about your money, this is the last one. You got to make this one loud, okay? Can y'all do that for me? If you root for the Steelers, all right. We're ready to move on now. We're ready. We're ready. All right. Let's jump into the passage. So the, the question is, why has it been so difficult? Why is it so difficult for you to give? Maybe you believe some of these lies that we just mentioned. Maybe you keep thinking to yourself, well, I just don't make enough to give. But giving throughout Scripture has never been about how much you make. It's never been about that. As a matter of fact, giving in Scripture is proportional because if you make little or if you make a lot, we all bring the same amount to God and we say, God, here you go. Based off of proportional giving, that's the way God set it up in Scripture. So it's not about how much you make. And if the thought, if you're thinking to yourself, I'll just give once I finish paying off debt, what is the greatest debt you owe? You see, God gave his only son so that you and I could experience eternal life and forgiveness of our sins. The greatest debt this world has ever known was canceled out on the cross. Yet we put priority to the financial institutions in our life. I'm not saying to be irresponsible and to set them aside. All I'm saying is understanding in our hearts is for us to understand exactly what God has done for us. 
And another thing that we say is at, at times in our own lives is we say, well, you know what? I work really hard for my money. Don't I deserve? Don't I deserve this? Don't I deserve to treat myself? Don't I deserve to give this? Don't I, or to buy this or to buy that? Don't I deserve the brand new King Ranch pickup? Don't I deserve a brand new house, a big house in the north? And, and, and don't I deserve to get everything my neighbors are getting as well? But the truth is, is that the, the one thing you didn't deserve, God gave to you. And he gave it through grace. So why would we withhold anything in our own lives and put ourselves first and not put him first? So again, it's about the heart. It's about priority. Who are we focusing on? Are we focusing on us or are we focusing on God? Are we allowing the battle for our heart to be won by money or are we going to allow God to be number one and first priority in our lives? Let's see. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 through 10. And here, uh, in this proverb, it's giving wisdom in regards to generosity, okay? So let's go ahead and jump into, in, jump into it. And it says this, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with with plenty, and your vats uh, will also be filled with wine. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that we get the opportunity to do this. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts and open our eyes to see, not only to understand, but to practice and apply in our lives. Pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So looking at this passage, we see a couple of things. And we're going to point, I'm going to point out two things from this passage. And I mentioned them when I was talking about our personal testimony. And that's honoring and trusting. Honoring and trusting. And that's what I see here in this passage. We're seeing honor and trust. Okay? So the first point for, for today is, is this. Is my giving honors God by remembering him as the provider of all I have. Of all I have. You see, looking at this passage, uh, we've, we've got to jump into the history of the Israelites and try to understand where did we first see this? Where did we first read this? Where, where did this come up and when did this become a command? When did this become something that God was expecting from the Israelites? And when you go back to the story, you realize that it happens in the book of Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and in the books of Moses. And so when we go back to Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 1 through 3, we read this. We read that. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God is giving you. Okay, so there we're seeing, we're talking about first fruits again. That sounds very familiar to what we just read in Proverbs chapter 3, correct? Sounds very familiar. Uh, so he's talking about first fruits and talking about, what does he say? From the land that the Lord is what? Giving you. And you shall put in a basket and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name to dwell there. And you shall go to the priest who is in office, who is in office at that time and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. 
So this is where we see this first fruit principle. Uh, for the, this is where we see it. One of the places we see it at the beginning in the scriptures with the Israelites in Leviticus. And right now we're reading it out of Deuteronomy. Now, what I want to get our attention to is the fact that they're giving the first fruit from the ground because it's the ground that God gave to them. It's a remembering God. It's an honoring God and saying, God, the reason we have what we have is only because of you. It's not because of us. It's not because of our greatness. It's not because of all the battles we won. It's because of the battles you won for us. It's not because of the Red Sea we parted. It's because of the Red Sea you parted. It's not because we exited Egypt. It's because you took us out of Egypt. It's remembering what God has done for the people. It's remembering what God has done for them. And because of that, Scripture is telling them to give the first fruit of all of their harvest. Give the first fruit of the harvest to remember that God has given you this ground. And see, many times in life, it is real easy for us to get caught up in our achievements. I did this. I did that. I'm the reason for this. I'm the reason for that, right? So at home, the husband comes home. He's talking to his wife. Wife, let me tell you, this house, because of me. Your car, because of me. Your clothes, because of me. That's a very disrespectful husband, right? The respectful husband comes home and says, wife, we've worked really hard. And look at everything we've accomplished. And then the wife turns and says, no, my love, it is because of your hard work. It is because of your hands. It is because of your giftings and the amazing man that God has created in you. It is all because of your goodness. And then the man, instead of sitting there in that, all of that glory says, no, wait a minute, no, because I have to be honest. Though I am great, <laughs> you are the other half of that greatness. And wife, I wouldn't be the man I am today if it wasn't for you. Let me tell you, I thank God for you every day because I give you credit for all that I do. I wouldn't be the worker. I wouldn't be responsible. I would still grill meat and cheer for the cowboys. But other than that, I wouldn't be able to do anything without you. It is all because of you. And we're playing this game of praising each other and praising one another, and we forget something, that the reason we have everything we have is because of him. And I know it sounds funny, and I know it sounds like, well, that's such a small thing. We should praise. Yeah, we should praise one another, but we should never lose light of the fact that God is the one that equipped us the way you're equipped. That God gave you the gifts you have. That God put you in the place you're in. That God has given you the job you have. That God promoted you in your job. And that everything we have is his to begin with because in Chronicles we read that it all belongs to God. So it's his to begin with and the only reason we have it is because of him. And church, when we practice biblical generosity and biblical giving, guess what that helps us do? It helps us remember God. It helps us remember God. Just as the Israelites had to remember the Exodus, they had to remember the Red Sea, they had to remember the manna, they had to remember the water out of the rock, they had to remember all of the, the battles that God won for them in order for them to attain the promised land. They needed to remember that and remind each other. And let me say something, to the Israelites, giving to God of first fruits has never been a question. They don't question it one bit. 
Why? Because of a promised land. Now, as Christians, we didn't get a promised land. We got something greater. Yet we question God about the area of our finances and giving. Think about that for a moment. Because our priorities are all out of whack. We believe what culture is telling us. We believe what the world is telling us. So we focus on ourselves. So today we'll change that. The next point of this passage is this. When I honor God with my giving, my trust in his provision for my life will grow. When I honor God with my giving, my trust in his provision for my life will grow. Pay attention to that. My trust in his provisions will grow. Remember I was telling you about our years, as our, our first year of marriage? We made a lot of <laughs> crazy decisions as newlyweds. We were really young. I was 22, she was 23. We were kind of growing and learning this together. We were maturing in these areas together. Uh, but the, the things that we never did was, was we never questioned our giving to God. And I attest all that we were able to do during that first year to God and his miraculous provision alone. Because there were times we'd look at how in the world it just, the finances didn't match up. If at the end of the year we'd say, how much did we make and how much did we spend? It would, exa- it would be spend and make. Yet we were able to make it through the year without getting behind on anything, without losing anything, and without anything lacking in our lives. And the only thing I can say is, thank you, God. Because it wasn't me. Now, God doesn't, doesn't want us to live in that immaturity all, all of our life. And he bega- he, after that, he began to take us through a maturing process where we become more responsible and wise with our finances. But we've lived it. Church, we've seen it. it when, when, when you honor God, it helps you put your trust in him and not in yourself. Listen, with the Israelites and, and what they were being told to do in the Old Testament, if they gave the first fruits, which was the first harvest, gave it all to God, they were putting their trust in what? For the next harvest. In God. Now, it wasn't common sense. That just wasn't common sense to give the first fruits of, of your harvest uh, and then say, well, it doesn't matter. We'll still make it through. Because you, 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 back then, we're not thinking paycheck to paycheck. We're thinking harvest to harvest to harvest to harvest. So you're giving the first fruits. That's, that's God's. Now I have to completely trust God that this next harvest is going to come in so that we have enough to live on. So it's trusting God. It's putting your trust in him. And when we remember that he is, uh, he is the one that provides, when we remember that he is the owner of all, he's the one that gives, then it, it teaches us to trust him and put our trust in him. And for some of us, that's very difficult. For some of you, all of your life, you've only trusted in yourself. I don't remember where I heard this, but I heard someone say this recently, that one of the reasons why we never experience financial miracles in our lives is because we never give, a ch- we never give God a chance to step in. We're in need, and the first thing we do is go borrow money. We just never give God an opportunity to step into our lives. And I'm not saying that we're giving to receive the miracle. That's not what I'm saying. But that's a part of it. And like I said, we've lived it, that God will provide. He's not going to make us rich. He's not going to make you a millionaire. He's not going to give you the biggest and best house. He's not going to help you keep up with the Joneses or in Laredo with uh, uh, the Martinez's. He's not going to help you do that. But he is going to provide your every need. 
He is going to provide your every need. And that's something that God has said time and time again. And, and we, look, we see it here in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy, the scripture says uh, that, it says, And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his, command, his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God, blessed shall, be, uh, shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall, uh, shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your, of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall, shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. That's God's promise. That's God's promise. And if you pay attention to that, what's it listing out? It's listing out our necessities. It's listing out necessities. Look at Malachi. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It says this. It says, bring the, the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down, on you, uh, uh, pour down for you a blessing until there is no more, no more need. Again, need. We're talking about need. I need to put that little disclaimer in there because then we say, well, God, if I give, you're going to open the windows of heaven and that king ranch is going to fall right in front of my house. <laughs> no, that's not what God is saying. He's talking about needs. And I, I can already hear it because many times one of the things that we, we struggle with is we come into grace and we think, well, the commandments and the law, that's not for the time of grace. Well, let's look at the New Testament. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. What does Jesus say? This is the same passage as verse 24. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Time and time again, test me, test me, test me. Put me first and see if I do not give you all that you need. Put me first and, and see that and, and watch me, watch me provide for you and for your family. Church, what God is saying is that your hundred is never going to be greater than his ninety. Did y'all hear that? You can never outgive God. And God is always going to take care of us. Again, I've experienced it time and time and time again. And again, we go, we go back and we, we go back and forth. Again, some of us uh, Christians, we, we just struggle with it again because it's something of the Old Testament. But then we look at the New Testament, and we're just talking about biblical giving. When you look at the New Testament, what, what does Jesus say when the Pharisees come and challenge him about the tithe? And, and he says, well, you were right to give the tithe, but you neglect loving others. But what does Jesus say? He says, you should do the former without neglecting uh, the, the latter. In other words, you should keep giving without neglecting loving others. Okay, so we see there that he's not neglecting it. He's not, he's not throwing out the giving, the biblical giving and, and, what they've called it, and what God has called us to do. He's not throwing that out. He's affirming that, but also affirming the fact that our hearts must be in the right place to love on others and not just give for uh, some um, some recognition that, 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 that we might want. So that we see that. We see that throughout Scripture. We see it throughout Scripture. And uh, in our lives, again, we go back to this and we say, well, we propose that, that we change that and we put God first. We put God first. And, you know, and, and one of the things that we sometimes ask is, well, why should I? Why should I do that? Let me get real with you for a moment. Did you know that Jesus had the opportunity to say, forget everyone else, 
I'm going to take the riches, the glory, and all of the kingdoms of this world. Can you imagine if Jesus lived in a materialistic way like we do? Could you imagine if Jesus had his priorities the wrong way like we did, where it was me, 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 me? Oh, God, after that. No, Jesus had it correct. He had God first, and the will of the Father was, was the first, imp first importance to him. So when Satan comes in the desert and he tempts him and he says, I'll give you all of the kingdoms and all the riches of this world, there was no way that Jesus was going to give up the cross for that. And in that moment, he could have said, no cross, no sacrifice, no beating, no mocking or scorning. I choose the me route, and I'd rather take the glory I'd rather take the riches. I'd rather take all of the kingdoms of this world and not go through that suffering. But Jesus had his heart in the right place and his heart was in the will of God. And so he went to the cross to bear our sin. And we said earlier, it's the greatest debt this world has ever known. And he paid a price that you and I could never have paid by obeying the Father and by giving himself up for you and for me and for the will of God. So if he could do that for us 2,000 years ago, how much more should we do for him today in our lives and saying, you know what, I'm not going to treat you like a waiter. I'm going to give thought to what I give to you. Paul says in Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians, he says to give according to what you have set, it, set forth in your heart, what you have proposed within yourself to give. But what does that mean? That means you're giving thought to it. Church, we can't treat this as, as, as some tip jar. We've got to give thought to what we're going to give to God. Do you think that God just, uh, just treated the sin of this world and the debt that needed to be paid? Do you think he treated that like just some old chip tip jar that he didn't care? No, he gave a lot of thought to it. And he said, the only way that it can happen is through my son on the cross. And that's what I'm going to give for them because I love them. And how much more could we do? So my questions to you is simple. What keeps us from having this priority list in our lives? What keeps us from going from me, 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 we, me to God to saying God is first and above all? What keeps us from that? It, it could, it, it could, like I said earlier, it could be that you, didn't, you just don't have that trust in him. Well, I'm telling you, I've lived it. Trust him. Give. Live his word out and see that God will provide for you. And many times it's that you lose sight of what you have. We'll begin to give and God will will remind you, and that will help remind you that all you have is from Him. But we've got to be thoughtful about this, and we can't just throw it and toss it to the wind as though uh, this is not important and it doesn't matter. Remember, Jesus said too much about our finances for us to ca throw caution to the wind and say, I don't care. He said too much about it. it was, it's too important. And here he uncovers in, in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he uncovers the fact that our hearts will either serve money or ourselves and materialism or they'll serve God, but it can't serve both. It's about priority. Priority. Getting to the point where we can say, God, you are number one in our life. You are number one 
for me. You know, sometimes we think of, um, we get paid, and the thing that we do is we say, well, we got this, we got this, we got this, we got this, we go on, we got this. I'm going to give, I'm going to give, but we have this, 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 and this, and this. So let's go ahead and take care of that. And do we ever get to God? Here's a story of a farmer. And this farmer was excited. He was ecstatic. Because the best cow he had had just given birth to two calves, a red one and a white one. And it was his most prized cow, so he was very excited. He calls his wife out, and he's, 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 he's just jumping for joy. And we got two, not one. We got two, and one is red and one is white. And, and I feel that the Lord has impressed on my heart that we will give him one of these calves. And his wife says, well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Thank God that we got two. Tell me, which one is God's? And he says, well, there's no need to figure that out now. We'll, we'll raise both of them the same. And at the, at, at, at the time that, uh, accord, uh, at an according time, we'll, we'll make that decision. She says, okay. So as time goes on, he's raising the, 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 the calves and, and one died. So the farmer goes into his house and he's talking to his wife and he says, wife, the Lord's calf has died. And she said, wait, what do you mean? I thought we haven't decided that. And he says, yeah, I decided that a while back. That, that was the Lord's calf and it, it died. But that's what we do with ourselves. And that's what we do in our finances is we say, I'm going to give, I'm going to give. And by the time we get through that list, the current list of habits that we have and priorities, we get to God and there's nothing else to give. So we can make a change. In church, you can trust God and that God will provide for you. And we can honor by remembering that all we have is from him. And I, I mean, I can't tell you what that means for our church if we would all start practicing that. If we all started doing that. If we all in this church practiced biblical giving. If we did that, we could plant a healthy church in every zip code of Laredo. What does that mean? Sometimes we talk about that vision and we talk about what we'd like to do and what we'd like to see happen and we don't truly understand how, well, what does that even mean? How, how does that impact me? But let me ask you, have you not been blessed by this ministry? Have you not been blessed by the small groups? Have you not been, has your family not been blessed through the student ministry and the children's ministry? How many marriages have been reconciled through the leadership, through the teachings, and through the help of this church? How many teenagers have come in and parents, you've sent them and you've sent them and you've sent them and you've, you haven't seen a change. You finally, you saw a change and they're completely different at home. God has completely impacted their lives and it's happened through the leadership in the student ministry, through, uh, through the small groups in student ministry. How many of you are grateful for the kids and, and just the overall impact this church has had on your life? Think about that for a moment. Think about the relationships. Think about the fellowship. Think about all this church has done for you. And now think to yourself, man, if we all practice this, that would be available 
for more friends, for more families, and for the greater part of our community, that they could experience the power of God in their life through a healthy church that's teaching and preaching the gospel and that's helping them through life. That means more people get to experience the goodness of God that you and I have experienced. If we all practice this as a church, we could, we could staff our, our church so that we could even accommodate the current size of church that we have. We could have the, the pastors we need on staff to, to serve the 800 people that we see on a weekly basis. We could better serve each other and serve you guys. We could remove the greatest obstacle or one of the greatest obstacles for the gospel, which is not having the finances to do these things. It's not, not having the finances to plant a church or to hire another person or, or to bring someone in uh, to, to oversee student ministry or to oversee that ministry. The more that we do together as a church, the more that you and I will benefit from this, but the more our community can benefit from all that we are bringing in, all that we are giving to God. Because it's not about us. It's not about you. It's about the community. It's about the church. And it's about the impact that God wants to have in our lives. So how much more could we do if we practiced this biblical principle? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, we thank you that you have not left us blind in this life. But God, that you, had give, you have given us instruction and you have given us your word. You have given us your promise, Lord, that if we give in a biblical way and our hearts set on you, that you would provide for our every need. Father, my prayer is that you would help me live this out and Father, my prayer is that you would help this church live it out. Father, again, it's not about how much knowledge we attain. It's about putting it to practice. And my prayer is that we can do that as a church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to challenge you guys to one thing as the ushers are coming up. One of the things that we're going to do and we're going to challenge you guys to is a 90-day tithe challenge. We're talking about trusting God and giving to God. Well, here's what we're saying, okay? Here's what, here's what a 90-day tithe challenge is. Is you practice biblical giving in a faithful way over the next 90 days. And if you after those 90 days say that God wasn't faithful, we will refund everything you've given to the church 100%. Again, it's not about the church. It's not about taking your money. It's about helping you put your heart in the right place. So that is our challenge to you. 90-day tithe challenge. And we will refund 100% if God is not faithful in it all. The numbers are staggering. They've done this for many years, and they've done this all around the country, probably around the world. And to be honest with you, I don't think ever, anyone has ever came back and said, God wasn't faithful. God wasn't faithful. I'm one of them. So I challenge you guys with that. Love you.